and so and if there are little humans running around, yes, I'm talking about the children, do put them in the little closet where they do belong, hopefully with a noose, because I cannot be responsible for any of the hazardous things that may come along the way here. But if you're ready for it, let's have a ball, shall we? Frank Zappa, Mothers of Invention. My God, did they live up to that name. Oh my gosh. Just the, the endless freak out that you'll have listening to Freak Out, honey. 1966, genius record that came out on Verve. You know, the, the most frank thing you could do is put out an album like Freak Out. A concept record, which really wasn't too much of a thing at the time. And the double album thing. People weren't really putting too much double albums at that era. It was just starting to become a thing. And of course, we have Zappa doing his very Zappa thing, honey. And if you just shut up, I'd zap and tell you about it, okay? Zappa released a record on that album called The Return of the Son of Monster Magnet. And on it, in the beginning, he does a very conversational piece, I'd like to say, with a darling named Susie Cream Cheese. Susie? Yes. Susie Cream Cheese? Yes. This is the voice of your conscience, baby. Uh, I just want to check one thing out with you. You don't mind, do you? What? Susie Cream Cheese, honey, what's got into you? As a whole, the record is a very entertaining record, very robust for the taint. And I'd like to think that one day maybe someone would be kind enough to do Frank Zappa a favor and maybe name their kitten Susie Cream Cheese. Now on to The Who. My Generation came out in 66 on Decca Records. A record that probably doesn't really need much explaining. I'm sure everybody has a Who record in their house. Or should, if they own eight records. But The Who, this record, incredible punk ethos. My generation, as a body of work on its own, is great. The title track alone is, is great and speaks to every kid in that era. And the mod scene was getting to be quite an aesthetic over in Europe. But the standout track to me has got to be out on the street. It has that really strong punk energy, but it's quite quiet and knows how to lure you in for the kill before it rips you apart and shoves that dagger right into your piss flaps. Oh my God. It was incredibly hard for its time. Very long, bombastic guitars, drums. These guys were louder than the Vietnam War. These guys were ready for whatever was coming to them. 
tomatoes on stage, bananas ready to make them slip. They were ready for all of that environmentally friendly waste. And I gotta say, the men had taste. Dumb crackers be covering Bo Diddley. Be covering Mr. James Brown. Oh, that was sickening, darling. to Seymour Stein, a guy that ran Sire Records at its most premium time, a guy that had the vision, a guy who's seen not just stars, not just gold stars, but platinum stars. The guy had an eye. And when he went and discovered and signed this one particular CBGB act, Talking Heads, it was over for me. I knew this guy was a genius. Now, Talking Head 7-7. What an album. What an album. Put out in 1977, hence the album title name. It was recorded in New York, and it has some pretty killer songs on there. Everybody, I'm sure, knows Psycho Killer and Pulled Up and all of those records, but a standout to me has got to be a track called Don't Worry About the Government. I mean, when you look at a title like that, how can you not play it? And when you look at a band like that, skinny, scrawny white people talking about minority issues, how can you not want to listen? It's hilarious. It's honest. It's got some interesting point of views. And honestly, each member quite an intellectual within their own right, put out great stuff outside of the band, Tom Tom Club and Burns solo stuff, phenomenal stuff. A lot of people might not agree with what I'm saying right now, but you can all lick a cone. You can all politely sit on a razor, okay?
60s amazing girl band, Phil Spector production. Some genius, genius work, great production. Unfortunately, the only studio album that they ever put out in 64, but an album that one can never forget if you are a fan of girl groups or groups in general. Phil had an eye and he had an ear, but did he have a nose, honey? I don't know. Original copies of this record are pretty rare now. They go for hundreds of bucks. But people with an ear and an eye and quite possibly a nose like it as well. Catherine Bush, Kathy, also widely known as Kate Bush, my favorite female artist of all time. I still, to this day, I'm waiting for her to put out something bad. I really am. Something that just will never make me want to eat her music. Eat the music isn't even that bad, and I know a lot of people don't like that, okay? Kathy, put something bad out. I try you. I double dare you, darling. Anyway. Let me educate these little chickens on a little darling called Kate Bush. Now, here is an artist that I think everyone should study because this is someone who came full throttle, knew exactly what she wanted to say and how she wanted to say it. Full conviction. She knew herself and she took chances. And here is one of the best examples of that. Her debut album, The Kick Inside, produced with Andrew Powell, Came out in 78, I think. Yeah, 78, 79, something like that. And uh, let's just say 79. Let's just put it in the tip of the fucking iceberg, okay? Let's just get you hot and ready for those 80s, honey. Now, Kick Inside, wow, what a great album because it had so much storytelling. It had her one of her more infamous singles, Wuthering Heights, which is a single that actually EMI did not want to go with. It's kind of a funny story that she often tells. But uh, she, if you want to hear it, listen to it. There's multiple interviews of it out there. But long story short, it was her that gave the decision on going with Wuthering Heights. Because she originally was supposed to put out James and the Cold Gun, a more heavy-hitting uh, rock record that at the time... EMI was flushing out and doing well at, thriving at. But she wanted to go the Kate Bush way, my darling. And the Kate Bush way is to go with a book, a song written about a, a book. What? No one does that, you know? So she's going the more intellectual approach, and it very much favored in, in her way, so much so that when the record did so well, EMI just let her do her thing. And thankfully they did, because... 
she gave that woman gave us the dreaming honey the dreaming honey you better believe i never woke up from slumber after that one oh Ugh, things were getting heated after that honey oof but let me tell you speaking of heated there's a record on that album called l'amour looks something like you darling and the sexiness the vocal delivery, the simplicity of the music, it's genius. Ah, oh, man. I mean, yes, the title track, everybody goes on and on about, you know, those Wuthering Heights. But there are so many heavy hitters on that, so many sexy, alluring, seductive records on that. Feel it and L'Amour. I, I really love them. And I think those are the ones that, if, if you want to really understand a, a, a sweetheart that is... 19 and the sexual drive is rampant and well a song for masturbation go for it honey you want to get the lube out and listen to this one this is your tune don't forget the candles kisses all right darlings let me give you a little bit of a tease you came out of the night wearing a mosque that one this is kate bush so i do feel compelled to talk about another i have to do the woman justice after all and this one is actually the title track of the album the kick inside and the themes of this song are so controversial but that's the thing I, that i've always loved about kate is that she was never scared to experiment about really sensitive subject matter uh, but this one i i often do wonder where she got the inspiration from uh, because it's about a woman who's having a sensual, very sensual and sexual relationship with her brother. And she finds herself pregnant with his, get this, child, darling, gasps. Okay, so I told you this was going to get controversial, honey. But she basically has a song that's in a form of almost a suicide note aimed to her brother. And that she plans to kill herself. Uh, because she's riddled with all the shame that she brought onto herself and her family. Now, th this is inspiration from an Irish folk ballad called The Ballad of Lizzie Wan, and it recalls the same story. But I find it interesting that the original lyrics of the demo version of The Kick Inside included the line, welling eyes from identifying with Lizzie Wan's story. So she made it very clear that her story very much refers to that pairing of siblings who faced similar crises i still to this day wonder where she got the inspo for that but darlings let's give this a whirl giving it, giving it, giving it, giving it. 
Now, generally, this record is a pretty easy record to get. But if you did want the limited edition version that came out in 78, it'll cost you a pretty penny, dear. On to another really intellectual woman of the 70s, Patti Smith. Now, I can talk to you about Stevie and Kate and all these fabulous darlings, but somebody really doing it in the New York punk scene, Patti Smith was out with a vengeance when she came out with horses. Clearly, she had a lot to say, and somebody backing her, fabulous producer, John Cale, of Velvet Underground, John Cale, uh, helped produce this masterpiece. Sadly, it had zero airplay or any kind of mainstream success when it did come out, but it grew like a virus. It gets to you. And thankfully, none of us wanted a cure. We just kept wanting to cough all over everybody else's faces so that they can get sick too. I love Patty because she comes from a really real place. Like even her cover art. It's just her in very natural lighting, taken by her sweetheart, Robert Maplethorpe. And it just goes to show that she just presented her as is. And songs came from a really storytelling, authentic place as well. Like the song Breakup that she wrote about Jim Morrison when she visited his grave in France. Or the fucking phenomenal track Gloria. Gloria, Gloria. First track off the record and it starts off with a massive memorable line. Talk about foretelling what's to come, huh? <laughs> but she said... Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine. Talk about the ultimate punk line. That's the ultimate sin right there. Rebellion, right? She starts off committing to who she was. And what she wanted to tell everybody else was a common fuck you. So let's just dive into it, shall we? Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine. Milton, part of thieves, wild cord on my sleeve, thick heart of stone. My sins, my own, they belong to me, me. Beware But I don't care The words are just rules and regulations to me Now another song I really love off that album is called Now another song I really love off that album is called Free Money A song that she said she wrote recalling a lot of her memories living in New Jersey and I really love it. I, I love the, the dynamics of it. Just like Gloria had such musical dynamics, takes you on a real journey. And the ending alone where, you know, she goes, you know, free money, 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 money. I love it. I love it. Give it to me, baby. So Arista put it out in 75. And to find original copies of it is not that hard. I remember seeing a white label promo not too long ago when I was in New York. And it was a decent price. I'm happy that there's a lot of reissues for it and that it's just pretty accessible 
albums like that should be. down south to Georgia because that's where the B-52 resided and we all love that new wave that was coming in. B-52s came out with a great album in 1979, debut self-titled and uh, Warner put it out and it's just what an extraordinary, extraordinary find. I mean, gold mine. I mean, talk about boner alert, men. Talk about nipple alert, women. Let's do this. Bing, 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 everywhere, honey. We're shooting guns all over this place, honey. Who wants to climb on this mountain? Let's do this. Somebody get your hiking boots on. <laughs> all right, another, another phenomenal example of musicians, okay, that understood how much we need to incorporate humor in music. Real, real kitschy stuff here. Planet Claire was exceptionally great example of this hippie nation honey i loved every minute of that one the first three minutes first of all of this album are just such a musical abyss that it'll get you feeling like you're driving in a tarantino film and that's a very great feeling to have the guitar tones on this album phenomenal i love that in dance this mess around they did all of that all of that nasty stuff Somebody get the lube while I'm talking. Okay. Shout out track on this album for me is Dance to Mess Around, honey, because they're just emotional vocals, honey. The Manzarek-like organ bits. The guitars that take you all the way to Mars. I call them punk funk. I dance in the you by the balls and stroke your heart at the same time while scratching your back and probably microwaving your toast this is a well-rounded band boys and girls definitely a group to check out there's an album that everybody can get into in the family the kids the parents maybe the grandma with her walker but this is an album that's not only excessive but speaks to 
the massive consciousness. This is for the everybody and for the anybody. And that's what's scary about a group like that because they can, they can take you by the balls and stroke your heart at the same time while scratching your back and probably microwaving your toast. This is a well-rounded band, boys and girls. Definitely a group to check out. Now, on to one of my favorite bands of the glam era. One of my favorite bands in general. Roxy Music. What a strong foundation they were. 1972, Art Kids somehow formed this alien that came before us on top of the pops, took the UK world by storm, and just had something really interesting to say. Their self-titled album that came out in 72 really showcased that. They were able to showcase in a very sophisticated package a new sonic template that would inspire a lot of the new wave kids, a lot of the early punk acts, because they incorporated a lot of different elements into their sound. With the help of Brian Eno, they were able to marry the organic element sound with this beautiful electronic bedding in a very glam setting. They were visually stimulating, sonically stimulating, and they had weird subject matter that no one still understands. Where the fuck is Virginia Plain? Someone, be so kind and do give me her address. In the meantime, let me give you a song on this album that I think showcases all the good bits. You might need to get your dicks out for this one, so this, might, this part might not be safe for work, but hey, at least I told you anyway. just something that was the song if there is something a song that caught me deep into their spider's web now don't get me wrong there's a lot of great songs on that 2hp is gorgeous as well remake remodel when i saw that on top of the pops i was blown away you know they show their angst through their crazy musicianship and it's just so free you know that's a band that had a plus musicians 
Fairy, Eno, Manzera, McKay, Thompson. I mean, they're all gods. And I love that song because it's a part where everybody can show their musical talent equally. And it shows how willing they were to share the stage, even if some of them had some differences later on. Anyway, the album cover, the original album cover that was issued in 72 by Island Records, it featured a gatefold sleeve picturing the band with the original bass player, uh, Graham Simpson. But this was when Virginia Plain wasn't included on the album. Once they included Virginia Plain on the U.S. release, that's when they booted Graham and they put Rick Kenton in there, who played bass on Virginia Plain um, following Simpson's departure. So long story short, if you have the original, call a bitch, do call me. Now here's a band that needs absolutely no introduction. Kiss. New York City's finest 1974 they released their debut album and it's just exceptional too bad it wasn't really seen as such when it did first come out but a lot of it was written by paul and gene themselves although one of my favorite tracks on there was written by freely ace freely but they only took about 13 it's like two weeks 13 days to really bang this one out and it's got a lot of their gold standards on there my favorite, probably Black Diamond. Uh, just exceptional stuff. Really slow, gradual fade, and then, and then bam! Hits you like a dump truck, honey. Oh my gosh. A lot of the stuff on here will get the tits bouncing. Cold Gin, Strutter, Black Diamond, 100,000 Years. I mean, this is, this is not your casual stuff, darlings. Boys and girls, this is what a classic album looks like. I'll play you a little cocktail. by Casablanca, a label that I did love at the time, even though they put quite a lot of lame disco. I do love my disco, but damn. Um, easy to get, easy to obtain. They did put quite a few reissues out there lately. Uh, but if you do want that Japanese, uh, good luck, honey. And also call me on that one. Onward and upward, moving on to the Babylon the police came out. 77, Outlandos de Amor. Really killer stuff here, too. AM put it out. And if there's ever a really great white man reggae dub ting, it's going to be these guys that I'm going to accept it from. They really hit it heavy. Tracks like So Lonely, Roxanne, Can't Stand Losing You. These are banger tracks. He did say he ripped Marley 
on uh, No Woman No Cry as the foundation for that reggae banger on So Lonely. But you know what? You gotta let it slide. It's such a great tune on its own. And everybody like the rhythm. How can you run from the rhythm? Come on now. Mayfield, Chi-Town brother, soul music, good shit, used to be in the impressions, but he started doing his own thing after his manager, Marv Stewart, recommended that he just went solo, and thank God, thank God he did, because his debut album, Curtis, just blew me away, I mean, some of that stuff on there, I think it's just up to par with his infamous Superfly. But I think the songs on here have some serious heavy hitters, some songs that I think are his best. I'll give you a few cocktails, but the first is, I'm sure, the one that everyone knows. There's a hell below, then we all gonna go, honey. He just knew exactly what he had to tell the people for their time. And he came out the same year that Gil Scott Heron's Small Talk at 125th and Lennox came out in 1970, which, man, what a time for true freedom of speech. I mean, real freedom of speech. Black Brothers talking about some real shit where Gil Scott Heron taught us that you better be woke because it'll never, never be televised. Let me give you a cocktail. Put it to everyday life. Sisters! Niggas! Niggas! love that stuff ah feels like i'm watching a killer black exploitation movie anyway on to my favorite record on this album the other side of town this is recorded so quiet so beautiful i love it and it's really sophisticated stuff this is where shit gets real and it came out the same year that gil scott heron's small talk at 125th and Lennox in 1970, which was a time of real 
freedom of speech, man. Black Brothers talking about some real shit. Where the revolution began, where Gil Scott taught us that it's better to be woke because, honey, it's never going to be televised. I love it. I love this track. It's so moody and it makes you feel so relaxed. It makes you feel like your face is against a silk pillow. Like your face is right in between some beautifully cupped double Ds. It's wonderful. It was the first time that I experienced a more timid type of soul as well. It was music to feed the people. It was music for the hips, but it was also music full of tips. Give it a whirl, baby. side of town out of bounds to anybody who don't live around I never learned to share or how to care I never had no teachings about being fair depression is part of my mind The sun never shines on the other side of town. Today's podcast is brought to you by Careless Whispers in the Night. Creepy men in the corner who think that you're attractive only after seven beers. Anyways, remember what I said, folks. Keep your kids on a fucking leash so we can continue listening to the music that you all hate. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.